Okay. All right. So first of all, thank you everyone for uh, for coming. This uh, the topic is very near and dear to my heart. I hope to impress upon you uh, over the next few weeks what is so special about it. Uh, the Sefer Mitzvos is really a unique work uh, in the history of halacha um, for many, 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 many different reasons. Uh, it stands alone um, from the writings of the Rishonim as a sort of systematic overview of halacha, not just for the aspect that it's most famous for, perhaps, um, its enumeration, its listing of the Tariq Mitzvos, but I, I propose, and I will hopefully prove to you, that what's really actually quite innovative and um, remarkable about this work is not the listing of the commandments, in and of itself important, but the introduction that the Raman puts forward and the methodology that he proposes to reach the list of the commandments. And so the, the, the Sefer Mitzvos begins with 14 um, principles of enumeration, meaning 14 short-ish essays on how one is meant to reach the correct number of the, of the Tarag Mitzvos. And the methodology the Raman puts forward in those Shurashim, as they are known, um, is unparalleled in halakhic literature. The Raman is very fond of saying so himself, that he thinks no one ever did this correctly, as we'll see in a second. Uh, and the topics that are addressed are of utmost importance for um, halakha in general, for the way the Torah works in general, not just for Tarag mitzvos. Um, and we'll see some reasons why, but just to give you a little flavor, the, the Shurashim really address a lot of different topics. The, the first couple begin with um, what sort of what was revealed at Sinai, how Chazal operate, um, and then the Ramam sort of launches into a discussion in, in Shurashim um, three and four, sort of what constitutes a mitzvah, is it something that's, um, it ha- the Ram thinks it's something that has to be permanent, not just temporary. It has to be something that's very specific uh, and, not, and not broadly defined. Um, and then the Ramam gets into a number of other Shurashim that, uh, that treat what constitutes a mitzvah in terms of in, uh, interpretation of, of the sources. And he's very, very concerned to link up Tarek Mitzvos with the Psukim themselves. Um, I think he's yeah, someone to copy. And the way, th- and and in the in sort of the intermediary Shurashim um, six, seven, eight, nine, the Ramam is really trying to set forward a way to read the psukim um, and to understand how they pertain to the idea of commandment. Right? It's not always clear. For example, it's a simple one. Like the Torah says, "Shema Israel." Right? How do we know that's a commandment? Right? That, there's, not, there's no the, the imperative is not is there, but it's not there in terms of do this, do that, do the other thing. Right? So Raman is very concerned to ascertain exactly how commandments work in the in in and they're related to mikra in those shurashim. And then when the Raman, um it's sort of the last maybe five, six, seven shurashim are dealing with the question of how you sort of reach the number six thirteen. Right? We know if anyone would open shas, and we'll see the Rishonim be explicit to this in a minute. If it's not at all clear that Tarag Mitzvos, it just, it's not a topic that's addressed in Shas at all, right? It doesn't come up. It, the, the idea of Tarag Mitzvos appears once, two, three, four, five times maybe, um, depending um, how, you read the, how you read various Gemaras, but certainly never addressed in any, any way. And the Ramah is very, has a, asked to exert a lot of effort into figuring out, figuring out what exactly constitutes a mitzvah, right? This sort of basic category that we think in a post-Rambam world Right, is something the Ramam has to construct out of whole cloth. Right, he is adamant that no one has ever really thought about this problem in any way before him. Um, and when he knocks the earlier uh, Rishonim for doing for failing to do so, 
And for failing to think about it, what he's really saying is that he's coming and really innovating here, right? It, he, does adv- he does say, oh, you, you, that this regional, me- this um, Gaonic enumeration messed up in this way or in a different way. But what he's really telling us is that no one has really tackled these problems ever before him, right? And so in that sense, the, the Sefer Mitzvah is very unique in terms of the scope of, of questions that it's asking. And the kind of questions that it's asking are um, what makes it, Important and here um, is an inter- you might be able to um, rely on a on a uh, insight from from Dr. Soloveitchik that sort of what 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 is innovative needs to compare what came before and what came after, right? So before the Rambam, we did have certain lists of the enumerations of the commandments. Most famously, um, at least today, is the Bahag. We'll see later, probably not this week, but I actually think that that's probably because of the Rambam, but. What was actually influential um, in the Rambam's day was not um, the, Baha- the enumeration that's found in the list of the, in the, in the Halachos Gdolos, but actually probably the Sefer Mitzvot of Sajigon, which again is not the Sefer Mitzvot that, that everyone thinks it is, but actually a separate work titled Sefer Mitzvot that was recently published um, by some people like Malad Dimim and other associated people, you can see it here. Um, and, what, and what the Rambam's has these sort of these traditions in mind, another, another couple of figures as well here and there. Chefetz um, ben Yatzliach, somebody the Rambam sort of mentions once or twice. Shmuel ben Chafni Gaon, someone the Rambam is not as forthcoming about in terms of dealing with, but certainly was aware of. Um, and if you compare that to what comes after him, everybody is dealing with the Rambam, right? The um, the Ramban and moving forward, even before the Ramban, Daniel Abavli. But if you start from the if you look at the history of writings about these topics, everything turns on the Rambam. And so what that's telling us is that the Rambam has sort of created this whole genre, um, and it needs to be understood. And it needs to be understood why the Rambam was interested in doing this, what he's telling us, what he's trying to do, um, and some of the pitfalls, right? It's not always clear, right? The, the Rambam is trying to invent an entire range of discourses, right? And when one does that, it's inevitably going to trip up and try to Im- impose these categories on Shas, in a way that's not always clear that Shas can, can, can sustain, right? We'll see one, a very, very straightforward example later about the word mitzvah, right? This idea of what a, of a mitzvah is, is, very, is something very specific for the Rambam, but it's not at all clear that that's true in the Gemaras, as, as the Achronim are, are, are fond of pointing out. Um, but what that means is the Rambam is imposing this broader system on, on halacha, and it, it, in and of itself is worth understanding independently. Um, I, I am very taken by the, the work of the late um, Yaakov Blitzstein, who was a very close Talmud of the, of the Rav for a period of time. Um, and he has a number of important articles on, on the Rambam, but there's a, one paragraph that always struck me um, in a short, a short volume that um, Professor Swirsky pointed out that I think is actually worth uh, quoting here before we delve into some of the Makoros. So he writes, the Sefer Mitzvot may well be the most pioneering of Maimonides' work at least in its undergirding concept. What he means is that no one had ever really thought about these problems in any way before. Perhaps as the most original and daring of, of, of the Rambam's works, Sefer Mitzvot would of necessity be the most flawed, meaning it's, he's pushing forward in ways that are really not very, not clear that the Gemara is able to sustain it. For the basic question is whether the Talmud lends itself to the kind of systematization undertaken in this work. I mean, the Rambam's imposing a system of halacha on a very amorphous set of makoros, right? Whether the Maimonidean categories and problems can be imposed consistently on the, on the Talmud. Maimonides in, indicates his awareness of what he's under, of, 
of what he is undertaking, when he ex explains the need for this work, his predecessors, he claims, did not merely fail to, at the task, they simply did not take it seriously. They did not attempt to understand what was required intellectually, meaning they, the earlier thinkers, had not thought about these problems in any way, systematically, the way the Ramam did. And the Ramam, for untold reasons, right, because he's interested in systematizing halacha, because he thinks that the mitzvot are central to, to uh, Moshe's prophecy, because he wants to prove a, a, that he's, he's been comprehensive about how halacha works, and many, many other reasons, he's adamant that this is the way to, to go about it. And if you read the, the literature of the, of the Rishonim who are reading the Rambam, you can tell that there's times that the Rambam is forced into taking, decision, taking positions that are not at all clear, obvious from the Gemaras. Um, Blissin himself uh, quotes a, a, a case that we'll get to when we get to the Ninth Shoresh about the Rambam sort of inventing an insect out of whole, that like doesn't seem to exist. Right? The, the Rishonim already said, look, the Rambam was, because the, 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 when you read the, the uh, Sefer Chinuch, and if you read um, some of the other Rishonim Farad, when they deal with this question, they say, oh, the Rambam was dachak at, at, at atmo, into the, he painted himself into this corner. Because he's so interested, invested in these categories, um, and he's so interested in proving them into the system, that it's not necessarily clear that they're always there. And, the, and, the Rish, and really here relying on the Rishonim, saying the Rishonim are basically telling us that the Rambam has pushed so far, sometimes it's not always clear that the system is going to sustain it. Um, but because of that, it makes it all the more interesting and all the more fascinating to watch him do it, and all the more valuable, I would say, for his understanding of how, how the Torah worked. Um, so with that in mind, what I, want, what I propose to do uh, for, the, for the first year um, is, well, let's take one step back. So the, the plan for the, for the series of Shirim is to go through the Shorashim. There's 14 of them, um, and they're at the outset of the Sefer Mitzvot. In theory, we would do one a week. Um, maybe some of them will probably, or there definitely some of them will take more than one, one week. Um, and if I'm feeling brave, more of them will take more than one week. Um, the, the second, uh, the first source is, um, is uh, we'll, we'll probably do next week, is on whether or not um, you can, that you don't count mitzvot de Rabbanan. So it'll be our last night of Hanukkah. It'll be a good time to talk about that. Um, and then the Ramam discusses how Midrash Halacha works um, and whether or not Midrash Halacha is creating law, upholding law, or something in the middle. Um, the Ramam will discuss topics of the eternality of the law, like what does it mean for temporary mitzvos? Should those be in the list? What about mitzvos that are kola, kola, Torah, kula, like say, kadoshim teyu, right? It's the fourth shoresh, right? It addresses all of halacha. Um, fifth shoresh is getting into the interpretive questions uh, and how we understand reasons for commandments when the Torah says, don't do this because of that. Is that should that be counted as a mitzvah or not, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll, we'll go through all of them one by one. It would be obviously beneficial if people were to read them in advance, because we know they're not that long, and they're probably available in English on Sfaria or some other website of that ilk. Um, but you, it won't be, uh, there's no quizzes, uh, as much as it would be helpful. And Chabad.org Chabad has another, yeah, Chabad has a translation. Um, and just sort of go through them and just sort of see what the Rambam is trying to get at, just sort of get a sense of what we're going to be talking about. Um, that's the, that's the, the plan for the foreseeable future. That will take far more than 14 weeks, not just because there'll be weeks we'll have to miss, um, but because some of them are just very involved and will take several weeks uh, to, do, to do justice to them. Um, and then if there's time at the, end of the end of the year, we would maybe continue a little bit with some other applications of the Shurashim, and we'll see how people are feeling at that point, if we're still going. And uh, if I've bored you, uh, uh, or if I've shown you this is the most important work in the uh, history of halacha. 
Um, so, but tonight I want to talk about two separate um, and related issues. So the, the, the Sefer Mitzvah itself um, is, rests on two very basic premises, I would say. One is that there are, th- one is that there are Tariq Mitzvahs, right? Um, that in and of itself is a very controversial, controversial question. And the second um, is that this category of mitzvah has a very specific definition. Um, and so I want to talk about each of those things. Before we do that, I just want to delve into, just to, just to whet your appetite a little bit, um, if you look in the first, shore, uh, first source, I've quoted a, um, a chua from the Rambam that, where the Rambam is actually discussing Sefer Mitzvot. And he's telling us that this is a very important work. He's, and he's, um, that someone sent him a question about certain um, mitzvot that, as they pertain to the ninth Shoresh, which um, are fascinating but need not detain us for the moment. We'll get back to them. Um, but he says... It's, I should read? Yeah. I should read. Okay. Right? Yeah, there are a lot of questions about the mitzvot. That's good. That's good. Right? Before I wrote the Mishnah Torah, I wrote a separate work. I called it the Sefer Mitzvot. I called it the Mitzvah, mitzvah, one, one at a time. Beveti rayot, al kol mitzvah sheyesh bo safek mina sifra, sifrei, mina tosefta, mikom hakom gemara. Right, a very uh, classic, um, modest statement of the Rambam, as Professor Tversky showed us. And I don't think he's really, like, he's not bragging, he's just saying it's, the facts are that he went through all of Shas and, and then some, and figured out what the mitzvahs were. Fine. Vasiti, second paragraph. Vasiti b'tichilato, arba'asar prakim. Right, so here he says there are fourteen chapters, which is a tr- which is the Rambam's chosen translation of the word what we are used to calling the Shorashim. Um, we'll probably get back to that next week. Yeshbem klalim gedolim v'ikarim rabim. There's important principles. Shehein kaharim. They are like mountains. Shekol advarim tluim behem. Right, everything is depends on these fourteen principles. V'kulam higdamti otam lahavina drachim sheitpos adam b'minyan hamitzvot. Ad sheila kahogan. Right. If you follow these 14 rules, you'll get to the 13 mitzvot. It won't be complicated at all. This is clearly not true. Um, right? And don't count like other people counted a long time ago. Um, and they, they messed up. Fine. That book itself is written in Arabic. The Sefer Mitzvot. Right, and you can find it entire in uh, in Lebanon, where his correspondent was writing from. It's all over the Jewish world. You want to have any questions? Don't worry. No one will ever challenge the Sefer Mitzvos. Um, little did he know. Or even he, fine. And this is an, this, and then he closes with a very interesting um, sentence I don't really know how to translate. So I regretted writing this book in Arabic. Because all need to read it. And I am waiting for the time where I'll be able to translate it, which the Rambam never did, um, into Hebrew. The, the question here, in reading the sentence, and not for, not for now, although I'm curious as to what people think, um, is when the Rambam says, is he explaining the decision for writing in Arabic? I wrote in Arabic because everyone needs to read it. Or I regret writing in Arabic because everyone needs to read it. 
It's not at all clear what the Rambam, how the Rambam um, imagined his audience. I don't, I don't, I mean, some people are more confident about this than other people. I'm not at all confident how to read this line. Um, anyways, food for thought. Um, and we will get, we will encounter some, uh, some cases where the Arabic itself is, is going to be very crucial for understanding the, the text of what the Rambam means and the ideas behind the Rambam. Okay. First of all, let's take a step back. And let's just, before we delve into the Sefer Mitzvot, we won't get back to it tonight so much, um, I want to talk about these two separate assumptions. A, that there are 613 commandments, and B, that commandment as a legal category is important and uh, decisive and significant in any, in any way. So, all right, I've been doing a lot of talking. I'm going to make you guys do some talking. Where, where is the idea of Tariq Mitzvot from? Yeah, this is, yeah, okay, as a hint, uh, Rick could ask his, his, his kids about this. Anytime I ask a question, the answer is going to be right in front of you. So, <laughs> so it'll be very easy to, to answer the question. So what was the answer? The Gemara Makos, right? The Gemara Makos, the end of, um, of Makos, almost at the end, uh, quotes this Rabbi Simlai. He says there's, there's 613 mitzvot, um, 365 uh, negatives, 248 positives, Right? And then Rabbi Rabbi Nudo comes in and says, well, you know, they said Gematria of Torah Tzivalanu plus two equals 613, right? And then um, Rabbi Simlai continues, Ba David v'hamidan al-chadaseh, right? David came along and and summarized them or reduced them, perhaps, whatever, I'm not sure how to translate v'hamidan, to 11 mitzvot. And Yeshaya came and made them six. Micha made them three. Yeshaya again made them them two. Amos made, made them one. Chabakuk, Made it one, tzaddik b'amanuto yichia, right? A uh, righteous individual will live by his faith, meaning you don't need mitzvos, apparently you just need faith, right? Clearly we don't hold this, but it's not at all clear from this passage that there's anything halachic or important about it, right? It doesn't come up, um, it, it, this idea that, you know, no one says, oh, you know, Rabbi Simlai, maybe there were 613, there were 612. Or maybe Rabbi Simlai is, um, no, no one ever d- debates what the mitzvos themselves are right, in the Gemara. It's, just, it's totally absent. Um, and it's not at all clear from, from the Gemara itself that the category of Tariq Mitzvot is actually that important. And if you... If you it's right, exactly. It could be. It sounds pretty... Like, it sounds like Agadita, right? If the Ramam or anyone else had never made a big deal out of this Gemara, it would have been a nice idea, right? It's not at all obvious from the Gemara itself that it's significant, right? It's not, it, you could easily say, this is a nice agadita, right? 613 obviously is, an, is not a significant number. The number 365, that's important, 248, that's the limbs, according to Chazal, right, of a, of a, of a Jewish man, right? Okay, that's, those are significant numbers. But 613, okay, it's a sort of symbolic, it's not that important at all, right? And if you, in fact, you look at the earliest Rishonim, you don't necessarily see that 613 is all that important, right? So I've quoted a few um, cases here. And we're not, not going to read everything inside, but in source number three, Sadigon says, you know, I'm writing the Siddur, and people were reciting this piyot called, called Atayin Chalta, right, this early count of the mitzvos, and there weren't 613, and, you know, so I decided to rewrite the list, not because it was particularly important, but because, you know, people wanted it. He says, um, uh, these Tyrek mitzvos aren't that central. biladav. People really want the Tariq Mitzvot. People want to say piyutim of the Tariq Mitzvot on Shavuos, Halavai. We should do that today, right? But inside you're saying, okay, that's why we do it, right? Not because it's that significant. Sadi himself in other places does um, invest energy into Tariq Mitzvot and wrote 
a Sefer Mitzvah. So it's not entirely clear how to take the statement, but he does not stand alone at all in the Rishonim as saying that there are 613. They're not necessarily 613 or that it's not that important. Um, Ephraim Ibn in, in, in source number four also complains that um, these early counts of the mitzvot are not that significant. Um, in source number five, we have a uh, very influential early Andalusian um, parshan, Yudha Ibn Ba'am, who says, you know, some people, th- let's talk about the mitzvah of Vashavta Ad You should do tshuva, right? So is that a mitzvah? Is that a promise that you will do tshuva? You will do tshuva? I don't really know. Maybe 613 isn't that important anyways, right? If you look in Rabbeinu Bachia, source number six, you know, how many mitzvahs are there? He says, uh, you know, around 613, right? Not at all clear that he's committed to this number at all. And even in the Ramah, this is my, fi- this is like a, a line that I really like to, like to quote, right? He says, in source number seven, kol mitzvot shichlalum b'sefer Torah, asher natnu hakel yitaleh, hemtarag mitzvot, right? There's 613 mitzvot in the Torah, okay? That line is very, very important. Um, and then he says, v'zema shelo yitakel bo echad mi shamana ha-mitzvot, ha-mitzvot. Right, this no one ever, no one who ever counted the mitzvahs ever doubted that this was the number. So what he seems to be implying? What's the like kunz here? What's he hiding? I think what he's saying is, if you didn't count the mitzvahs, you clearly were not that interested in the in the tariyak, Right? He's telling you anyone who counted the mitzvahs said there were six thirteen, but he's sort of hiding from the fact that people who didn't count the mitzvahs. Some people just didn't think it was that important. I think that's what the Rambam is hinting at. And how many mitzvahs are there in? Um, in the Urim. Does anybody know? One of the Balei Tosfos, Talmud Rebbein Tam, he has a list of the commandments. How many are there? Anyone know? 427. How many of are in the Smak? The Smak is only about um, mitzvot that don't pertain to the Mikdash. Only mitzvot that are today. But how, many, how many there are? 320. Right, so it's hard to believe the Smak would have caught, counted 293 mitzvot to pertain to the Mikdash. So it's not at all clear the, that either of these counter, these enumerators of the mitzvot thought there were 613, right? So it's not clear at all that one needs to be dedicated to this number. But the Rambam, and if you look, in fact, and this is, I, I also am I'm very fond of, the beginning of the Gemara in, uh, in Sota quotes a series of machloksin between Rabbi Shmal and Rabbi Akiva as to how to interpret certain commandments. In the Gemara in Sota, um, as it pertains to Sota, obviously it starts with, it says, the, the Torah says, if um, you're, you suspect your wife, then you must, or you should, it's a, that's a question how to translate that, you should warn her and you should initiate the Sota process. So, so Rabbi Shmuel says, that's a rishos. That's optional. If you want to, to undertake that, go ahead. Otherwise, you don't have to. Rabbi Kiva says, chova, Right? Or, la yitama, right, if, um, your sis- if a Kohen's sister dies, or when she dies, one has- the Kohen has to impurify himself. So Rabbi Shmuel says that's a rishos, that's optional. And Rehiva says it's a chova, it's obligatory. Or by evet knanim, right, this is source number eight, just in case anyone's lost. Le'olam be'em tavodu, you should always um, enslave the Canaanites. Rabbi Shmuel says, oh, that's a rishos, right, even though it says always. Okay, it's a rishos according to Rabbi Shmuel. And Rabbi Kiva says chova. Okay, so that's not, perhaps not super um, bothersome, right, that Gemara, because the Gemara is really just saying, like, okay, we, how do we interpret these commandments? Are they optional? Are they obligatory? Maybe it's, if you want to do it, you can do it. If you don't want to do it, you can't do it. But Tozos asked, like, a stunning question, and it's stunning, um, I think, for lots of reasons. But Tozos says here in source number nine, Tema, Tema the Rebbe, so my teacher asked the following question, Makos, 
Right? Don't Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva think there are six and thirteen commandments? What's this question? The question is so bizarre. Right? But Tosos is saying, if you think it's optional, it shouldn't be in the commandments. I mean, he's saying, if, according to Rabbi Shmuel, he has these three things that are optional. So therefore, they wouldn't be in Taryag. Is that true? Were there any optional commandments in the Taryag Mitzvot? Divorce, right, exactly. That's the classic example, right? Divorcing your wife, right? The Ramam counts a mitzvah of Gerashim, right? No one, there's no one's going to tell you, get up and, you know, I have to fill this mitzvah. Oh my gosh, I can't, I childish, I wish I could fill the mitzvah, right? Machzir Grushas. Right, or divorce and returning, right? That's a, clearly, just, it's not there, right? There's, a, there's loads of mitzvahs. We know, we think, because we think, that's how we think, because we think like the Rambam. We think that, oh, it must be that every mitzvah is not a, a, an obligation, but it's a legal category. Right? There's a din, uh, there's a, you know, a din bore, right? If, if, there's a, if, if you dig a hole and there's just a rabbin, so then you, you cause nezek to your friend, so that's a mitzvah of, of, of bore, right? What are you talking about? How do I know that that's not a mitzvah, right? Maybe that's just a legal, like, how do I know that's in the commandments? So the, you see here from Tosa's question, one second, see here from Tosa's question that the whole way of thinking is foreign to certain Rishonim, right? Tosa is just not aware of this whole idea of mitzvos, not mitzvos. In the like, how do we systematize them? It's just like totally not relevant to them, right? Um, and and this is because we think it's so important is, is due to the Rambam. Okay, you have a question? So you said before that really we're only speaking about mitzvos from the Torah, right? Not yeah. Rabbanu, right? So we said tonight a shirkachanim and some mitzvos. Yeah. So that's a, that's the second. That's they have to come back next week. You'll see. Yeah, so that's the question. It's like it, that's an interesting question. It's like how do you count the? Are there is there a list of the other mitzvot derabana and like what is their authority? That's all to do with the first two shorashim. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. It, it's curious as to sort of like if you will, what's the what's the sort of the fundamental unmet need that the Rambam is addressing here, right? In other words, so that, that's what I'm getting to right now. Ah, okay. There you go. Thank you. Good transition. <laughs> Exactly. So, okay. yeah, you read ahead. So the so the, the beginning of the um, the beginning of the Sefer Mitzvot, the Rambam starts. Now he says, and this is source number ten, right? I wrote this book called this, the Parish of Mishnah. Right? It was fairly popular. Everyone sort of liked it. Right? They go through each Mishnah and it summarized what the Lacha was. I told you what the basis of each Lacha was. But now I want to go back and write a book that covers Kol Torah Kula. Right? I want to make sure that I cover everything. There's certain things that are on the Mishnah. Right? The Rambam is um, very famous for identifying them. Right, so I want to make sure that everything's in the list. Right, so therefore, if you turn the page, I decided that I would write a Sefer Mitzvot at the beginning. Right, I would list the Tariq Mitzvot to make sure that it's, I, got, I got to everything. Right? That's way you can check my tzitzis and you can say, I did everything. I covered the entire, um, the entire woof of Torah and I got everything in there. Right? If I make and prove to you this is the Tariq Mitzvot and then I went and tell you the Allah of each mitzvah, we're done. Right? That's easy. It's, it's done. So one clear concern for the Rambam is just this idea of completeness. If he wants to say, you know, I've done Kola Torah Kula, here it is, you can check my work, right? you can argue with me here and there, but I want to show you by, if I list all of the mitzvot, I've done, I've covered all of my bases. You want to talk about Durabanans or something? Okay, fine, that's something else. But he really wants to make sure we cover all of, all of the Kola Torah Kula. But um, if you actually look in the introduction in source number 12, just the very first line in the Parish of Mishnah, right? We, you actually get a very, very different picture of the mitzvot themselves, right? He says, 
When Hashem spoke to Moshe, he spoke to him with the mitzvos. And he gave them, and Hashem gave Moshe the explanation of the mitzvos. Hashem would say the, the Pasuk. Then he would say the explanation of the Pasuk. Does this make sense to you, this way he's, the Ram's describing it? It always bothered me, this, this whole idea. What are you talking about? I, I don't, what's the whole first clause in this sentence doing here? Right? When Hashem came to Moshe, he gave him the mitzvot. And then he told him to him. And then the explanation of the psukim. Doesn't make any sense. Right? What, why is the Ramam grounding the mitzvot so, like, at the front and center? Right? I would think, okay, we have the Torah. Right? And we have the laws that come in the Torah and then the explanation of the Torah. And fine, the mitzvot sort of like, are tangential to that. The way the Rambam sets it up in the beginning of, um, when he's explaining the process of revelation to Moshe, the mitzvahs are front and center. They're the, the entire essence of, of revelation. Everything is sort of built around that. Right? So it's a very different picture than one gets from the structure of the, sefer, of the, the instruction to the Sefer Mitzvahs. Right? In the Parish of Mishnah, in Zorosh number 12, the, the word mitzvah is, is definitional to what it means um, to understand the Torah. Right? This is not at all clear. Um, right? What does the word mitzvah mean in Shas? Anyone learn Gemara? How do they use the word mitzvah? So one case, if you look in the Maritz Chai, source number 11, right? He says, Afal bishikara adam kriyat shema bebedekaneset, mitzvah likrot likora al mitato. It's a mitzvah to read it on your bed. I mean, at night, you say kriyat shema al mita. Does that mean it's a, is that a mitzvah? Is it a step of mitzvah and tiring mitzvahs? No, Maritz Chai says not at all. Right? He, he has, he's very bothered with the Ramam and the way some of the explanations of the Ramam use this word. But when, and the Gemara says, oh, it's a mitzvah, but loli kuva. Right? When it's, it's a mitzvah, but you don't, it's not ma'akev. It doesn't prevent you from filling the commandment. Is, what does that mean? Sounds like a means Yeah, it's like extra. Okay, it's a good thing to do, or it's like important, but it doesn't prevent you from fill, fulfilling the obligation, right? The, the, the word mitzvah at all in Shas is not at all obviously that it's a sort of central, de- definitional to, to creation or to revelation, but that's how the Ramam reads it. And when the Ramam does so, um, he is foregrounding this category of mitzvah as very central to the way halacha works, right? And to appreciate this, uh, I can sort of say that very abstractly, but I think it's best to, to show the idea of mitzvah um, as central to the Ramam just by using a few examples, and that's, that's what we'll sort of round, round out with tonight. Um, so here we have, uh, in, in, source, in source number 13, um, th- there's just an example, just a, this is one example of many, where the Ramam uses the word mitzvah um, as an important halakhic category. And I think there's actually a nice little cool thing that ties into. So if you look in Hilchah Shabbos, the Rambam tells us, right? If you're eating and all of a sudden it's, it's Shabbos, I, not entirely, like, it comes up all over Shabbos, I have no idea. Like, what are these guys thinking? Like, were they surprised on Friday afternoon? Like, it's all of a sudden it's Shabbos? I, I, I don't know. It always seems very strange. Does it seem strange to you? It seems strange to me. Like, first month on Macabre. Exactly. What are you doing? Like, what is your I don't know. I don't, it seems very common. Someone have an explanation? They didn't have a bulletin. They didn't have what? A bulletin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it always seems very strange to me. But okay, let's just take that as a, as a given. Right? These people were surprised that Shabbos started. Right? Then, what you should, you should, then they bench, and then they say Kiddush on a second cup. Right? V'lo yivarech v'yikadesh okos echad. Right, don't make Kiddush and benching on the same coast. Right, this is a, assuming that this is, as many other practice, to bench a la coast, but don't do it on one cup. Why? 
Don't, we don't do two mitzvahs on one cup. Right? The mitzvah of Kiddush and the mitzvah of Birkaz Amazon are two separate things. Okay, that sounds very logical, right? But it's not at all clear that these categories of mitzvah are what is driving, driving us here. But if you look in, actually, in sources number 14 and 15, the Rambam, we, have, we are privy to some notes from the Rambam Shir. One second, Helen, one second. Um, we're, we're privy to some notes from the Rambam Shir um, that he used to give on the riff. Right? The Rambam used to give Shir on the riff, and some of the uh, students would take notes, and some of them survive. Adi and have been published. This one is from um, a volume of Yeshurun, um, which is a nice Torah journal, um, volume 20. So the Rambam explains the following passage in the riff. The riff says, in source number 14, Kidusha v'avdalta, Avdalta, Chada Miltahi, right? Kiddush and Havdalah you can make on one coast, as we do, right? When Yantif falls out on Shabbos, or Shabbos falls out on, on Mote uh, Yantif, right? Aval Birkas Amazon, Tarti but Birkas Amazon and Kiddush are two separate things. So therefore, you need two separate kosos, right? No reference to the idea of mitzvah at all, right? But we actually turn to the notes from the Ramam Shir, search number 15, he says, da. Shinemar, he explains the following. It says, Zachor at Yom HaShabbat HaKadsho, Ve'amru Chachamim Zichru B'Knisato. You have a mitzvah of Kiddush, right? Asher hu HaKiddush V'Zichru B'Yitziato, Asher Hi Avdala, right? We have this the same, Havdala and Kiddush are from the same Pasuk. And Havdala is Anath Mina Kiddush. It's a branch, a very important word, of the mitzvah of Kiddush. Ve'ein hen shtei mitzvos. They're not two separate mitzvos. Therefore, Havdala and Kiddush, Chadamilta, right? But, right, so he's saying, Havdalah and Kiddush, you could say on one cup, because they're from the same Pasuk, and the same Mitzvah, right? Whereas, Birkas Amazon, different Pasuk, different Mitzvah, okay? So what, what's happened here? What I think is going on here is the Rambam is thinking in these categories in Mitzvah and imposing it on the Rif, which is also ultimately imposing it on the Gemara, right? It's not at all clear that the reason is because Kiddush and Havdalah are one Mitzvah based on one Pasuk, right, and... Because the Muslim is different mitzvah, a different pasuk, that's why you need two, two different kosos. Maybe just two different things, right? But the Ramam is taking this word mitzvah and a category and imposing it on this halacha and, and explaining it in that, in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know how you had his hand up. Yeah, so the, the question I have is sources 12, 13. Um, when the Rambam's explaining his theory to why he's you know, imposing this construct that we're about to talk about, the mitzvah, he, is he quoting any sources for why he says it, and it's just not here, meaning it's not in the Would, or is he just kind of giving explanations, but not... I mean, I think the Rambam really is invested in this category, and it's not, it's, as I've tried to say, it's absent from Chazal, essentially, meaning as, certainly as a sustained area of analysis, and the Rambam's Chiddush is to say that it's very important and fundamental, and then he reads it into how he writes his, his halachic works. And what circum is he using to create the construct? Which construct in particular? The construct of mitzvah? Yeah. When he's saying there's a mitzvah, we're putting things together, we need to put these, if, the, if there's a kiddush. There's a so, that, so, then, so in that case, so now he has, that depends on the category, right? It's, everyone would agree that Havdalah and Berkos Amazon, or Havdalah and Kiddush and Berkos Amazon are two different things, but that, they're two different parts of the Shulchan Aruch, they're like treated in different places in Shas, right? But the Ramam's Kiddush is to say what, what that's based on is this, based, this concept of mitzvah, right? 
And if you have this concept of mitzvah, then it's going to tell us that you have to treat these things, you don't do mitzvahs together. You do one mitzvah, you can't do them on the same cup, right? The Gemara says, Ein mitzvos, ein osi mitzvos, chavilos, chavilos, right? Don't do mitzvahs in groups, right? You should do them separately, right? Now, the Rambam has imposed that idea on Kiddush and Havdalah in a very literal way. And sorry, Kiddush and benching in a very literal way by saying Kiddush is one mitzvah and don't group that mitzvah of Kiddush with the mitzvah of benching. Right? You could have said, in osin mitzvos, chavilos, chavilos, meaning don't do mitzvos together, sort of, yeah, it pertains to all sorts of acts. Right? It's not at all clear that, that what they mean by that term is mitzvah, right? But what the Rambam, is, the Rambam has now imposed that category onto that way of thinking about halacha and shown us how significant it really is. And where does he get the idea that mitzvos are important? That's a good question. I think that that's, <laughs> it's intuition. I mean, that's his, that's his intuition. That's what he thinks is important. I mean, like, I, I mean, that is what happens when you have a great thinker. And he has these ideas, they're so central, and he's able to show us how important they really are. Um, it's a chiddish, in some ways. In some ways, it's very building off the sources. In other ways, it's coming out and building on them. Yeah? But I can argue that the Havdalah-Kiddish linkage can only be done with one coast, right? Because, in other words, let's say I want to have two coasts, right? So I make Havdalah, but I can't drink the wine from Havdalah because I haven't made Kiddish. Yeah, but that's a technical... But then, and I can't make Kiddish without first saying Havdalah. Yeah, but I think, that's, I think that's after the fact. It's, it's not a technical... The point is, they're... They're intertwined. I, I have Maybe. In other words, I couldn't separate them even if I wanted to. Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not, I, maybe. I'm not, I think it might just be that we're so conditioned to think that way. In other words, with the benching I example, maybe. I, can sep- I, I, I can legally, halakha, Perhaps. separate right. them. Right. So I can bench, drink mm. Maybe. Wine. That's not how the Rambam thinks. But it could be the not, not drinking might be actually later. That right. might not be integral to the right. mitzvah. Right, right, right. You know, the not eating. But, but, the... then, it, but, but then, there's, then there's a break between when I make the bar priyagathan on havdalah and, and when I actually drink. No, but the, right, but maybe, I, maybe I you can make drink, them separately. Before Kiddush, Who said? But I can't make no, that's a question. Who said you can't right. drink before Kiddush? Rabbi Marcus. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's Don't close out. With, let's close out with one other um, <laughs> with one other example. Um, and we will not really be able to do this, all, do this justice, but uh, if you want to follow up on some of the sources here, you can do so. So the Mishnah and Kiddushin tells us that women are exempt from uh, positive time-bound commandments. Pretty straightforward. So what are those commandments in source number 16? Mezuzah, Ma'aka, for example, the mitzvah of mezuzah, the mitzvah of Ma'aka, right, putting a fence on your roof, Aveda, meaning returning a lost object, and Shiloh right, sending away the mother bird. So is that really true? That those are mitzvahs ase? Is there no, right? Isn't there a los ase? Right? Don't when, I, when if if I say right, the los ase in dami right? Right? The bread of the puzzle tells you it says make a maka, make a fence, and don't let blood. I mean, there's a los ase of preventing blood from falling from people from dying from falling up your roof, or right? That's also the and don't hide from the lost object. Right? So it's not at all clear. What, what's, what's the mission talking about? How are these mitzvahs? Women are obligated in all the negative commandments. So how can these be examples of positive commandments from which they are exempt? So Tosfos, the Ramban here quotes Tosfos, and Tosfos says it. Um, okay, maybe you come up with a case where um, you have a, it, the los ase wouldn't apply, and which that women are only exempt from the cases where only have the ase, but of course, if the los ase is relevant, then obviously they have to um, they have to, to do it. But the Rabban has a fascinating different answer. And this is the second paragraph in source number 17, or the third, whatever, the last paragraph. 
Bellini Ray, <laughs> wherever that starts. Sheikar mitzvah's ase, she'ain lav shaba, ela she'ekaim ha'ase, right? Whenever you have a positive commandment where the negative commandment is only telling us to do the positive commandment, right? Build a maka on your roof so that blood, people don't fall off and die, right? Whenever you have that, do not. Do not let people fall off and die is only coming to tell us that a line, to, to do the positive commandment. In those cases, right, um, this is only, um, this, is, this would be considered a, only a positive commandment and not a negative commandment, right? So it's a, it's a tremendous chiddish here. He's saying whenever there's a alignment or even maybe, it's not clear, it, the conceptual alignment or just a literary wording alignment, right? Build a maket and don't let blood f- people fall off your roof, right? Is a ase and a los ase. But with the, the conceptually, we we're prioritizing the ase in how we're thinking about the commandment. And therefore, the los ase is not e- even relevant. And therefore, it's only a positive commandment. And therefore, women would not be obligated. Right, it's a tremendous question. People follow that logic here, right? If you have... The question is, why are women, shouldn't women be chayv in these commandments because they're also a negative commandment associated with them? Right? Women can't get, you know, can't get away with eating, eating chametz, right? That's a low sase, right? So what about these ones? There's also a negative commandment. So the, Rama, the Ramban is telling us that when you have certain commandments where the entire mitzvah is about the positive commandment, the low sase just sort of comes along for the ride. And it's not even a real low sase. And it's not clear... To how to read the Ramban. Is there, if the Ramban should apply, what is, is he telling us something about minyan and mitzvos, meaning that we don't count those as negative commandments? But if you look actually in um, the commentary on Rafsadigon's Piyot of, of the Tarek Mitzvos by Yerukhom Vizal Perla, who was one of the great gedolim of the 20th century, um, a, a Talmud of Chaim, right? He was a Talmud of Chaim? I think, so. I think so, yeah. He actually quotes this line in the Ramban I found seven different times. We're not going to go through all seven cases. Um, but Let's just, I'll just, I'll say a couple of them outside, um, just to give you a sense of sort of how this kind of thinking could be helpful. So for example, there's a big question that we've shown him as to how to count punishments, right? The mitzvah is, you know, put someone to death for violating Shabbos, right? Now, is that a positive commandment or a negative commandment? Or maybe something else altogether. So he says, so one, he says, sort of reversing the Ramban, he says, it's all about the punishment. It's all about the do not. And therefore, we wouldn't count the commandment to put them to death, only, according to summary shown him, the do not of do not violate Chavez, right? Because conceptually speaking, what's the ikr is the, is the negative commandment, right? This is building on the Ramban's argument. Again, another example. He says, when the Torah says, Hishamer l'cha peintishkach Hashem, alokecha, right, in Eschanan, source number 19, the Urayim says, that is, don't for, means don't forget to say Kriyachma. What? <laughs> That's like a huge Kriyach. Right? Don't forget God, meaning don't forget to say Kriyachma. Okay? So what does that mean? So would that only mean that we'd only count the mitzvah of Kriyachma here and not the negative commandment of forgetting Hashem? Because the Ikra mitzvah is saying Shema. Right? So these are all ideas that Yerukhov Vashaprola is sort of playing with. You're never really sure exactly how far he's, he wants to take it. But if you have this way of thinking, oh, what my larger point here is, regardless of any of the details, is that this whole way of thinking about mitzvahs is in the wake of the Rambam. Right? By, by structuring all of halacha as ases and los ases and thinking about them, you, have, you come up with all sorts of interesting nafkaminas in thinking about legal categories in this way. Right? If you think that, uh, that um, there's a mitzvot and it's guiding you, it can explain Kiddush and Abdullah and Birkaz Amazon as two separate things, not things, but two separate mitzvot. And if you think all of halacha sort of works in this ase and los ase world, 
right, then you are bound to think about it in these larger questions and maybe certain assays, the assay is the, is the, is the, is the essence and the los assay is just comes along for the ride, right? And that, but it's all because of the way the Rambam is writing, I would argue. And the Ramban here itself is building off, um, is building off the, uh, the Rambam's categorization. Okay, that's by way of introduction. A, that Tariq mitzvot are a thing and B, that the mitzvot themselves are a significant category. Um, I think are the major assumptions of this work. And so next week, we'll start with um, the first Shoresh. Again, I, if you can read it, that'd be, um, that'd be fantastic. If not, it's okay, but don't worry, it's not so long. Um, and I guess we will reconvene. Yes. Right. Oh. Next year, Bezshem, next week, 8.30, yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's okay, yeah. great. Shkoyim.